Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Nomad Strength Show. I am Ross Hillier, your host. We're rocking another solo show today, and we're going to cover something that I get asked when I do these little like IG, uh, you know, question boxes things and Q&A type things. I get asked about what books I like to read all the time. And this isn't going to be some massive comprehensive list or, you know, like what I think every man should read kind of list today. Uh, we'll probably do one of those in the future, but today I just wanted to go over my three favorite books from 2020. Uh, I could have made this a 10 list or a 10 numbered list or whatever, but I want to do my top three, which when <laughs> you'll see when we actually go through the list that it's actually like six or seven, even though I said top three. However, I just wanted to touch on them because uh, one of the things that I've really learned and this is, it's weird coming from a strength and conditioning background or whatever, all the free time reading I've, I did for so long was just about strength and conditioning. I was reading training books and, you know, I, it, the initial drive for me to get into this world as a coach, I remember being 18 years old and reading Arnold's Encyclopedia for the first time and thinking, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, literally since that moment, pretty much all my free time reading for the next like seven or eight years was just strength and conditioning material. And I forgot the value of reading things just for the enjoyment of it, not for the learning part of it. And so one of the things that I've really tried to get back into these last few years is just reading things because I want to enjoy them. And with that came reading fiction again, which I was a huge reader growing up and I kind of burnt myself out because I love to read so much. I kind of got sick of it because I don't know, you know, generationally, I'm, I'm 20, almost 29 
And uh, when I was in elementary school, we had this thing called Accelerated Reader, and we used to take like tests to quiz us on the knowledge of the books, and we get like points and stuff. So it was like this gamified version to help us all want to read, right? Well, I was so into the point getting thing that I would just burn through books, and I just read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. If you know, until I got to middle school, and then by then I was just so sick of it, I didn't enjoy it anymore. And I, it took me probably almost ten. 12 years maybe before I really like sat down to read a book that I enjoy. And it was game changing because I just remembered being a little kid again and be like, it before it became the gamified version of it and actually enjoying reading, getting lost in these narratives and, and reading fiction again. It was just such a fun thing for me. So that's one of the things I've tried to do recently. And, and that's actually one of the things that's on my list. So This top three list is kind of all over the place in terms of genre of book. Uh, There's, like I said, I probably could do a top whatever list for self-help books. I could probably do a top whatever list for training books or whatever. These were just, this list, this episode today is literally just my three favorite books that I read in 2020. And they're not all books that were released in 2020. They're just the ones that I read in 2020 that I really loved. And so I'm going to share those with you today. We're going to do tons of top five lists, I would imagine in these solo shows, because that's a really fun thing for me to do. And for those of you, this might be kind of underground reference, but if any of you have seen the movie High Fidelity, uh, that's kind of the one of the themes of the whole movie. It's John Cusack, Jack Black, one of Jack Black's like very first roles in a movie actually was in that movie. But uh, the, the theme of it is like top five lists is like kind of the theme of the thing. So I'm very much in line with that. So we'll probably do tons of top five lists or whatever. But today, top three books of 2020. And the first number on the list is the reason that this number is actually, the reason that this list is actually more than three books. Uh, number one on the list is actually three books. And it's because I read all three of these books in 2020, and it's the Jack Carr Terminalist series. And uh, I know that the first book came out a few years ago, but I didn't get into them until this uh, this summer. And I, I literally read all of them, just cranked them out one after another. Uh, fiction, thriller, you know, it's not a... And that's not necessarily so different from what's actually happening in the world because Jack Carr is a former, former Navy SEAL. Uh, so he draws on a lot of his own experiences to write these books. And, you know, it's it's so funny to me reading the books because you can read them and he has to make a point in the book and, you know, in the disclaimer, whatever, that these characters are not based on real people. Uh, these are, you know, fictional characters, fictional storylines and all this stuff. But still he has to send all of these books to Department of Defense and Department of Homeland Security and all these high up chains in the government to like check them to make sure that he's not giving away like national secrets in his novels, right? Uh, which is kind of just a ridiculous, I don't know, it's just kind of a ridiculous process is a thought to me. But as a result, you know, he has chapters in his books that end up having things redacted in it. So you're reading it and it's literally blacked out lines in the novel because for whatever reason, uh, the government said, no, you can't say that publicly, even though he got this, he, and he said this in many podcasts and things that I've heard him talk about, he's got this all information is all available publicly. Like it's not something that is classified by any means. Like all the information he writes is publicly available. If it's, you know, actually 
names of, you know, bases or something like that, or, or locations and all those things. Those are the things that kind of get redacted. And he's like, this is all public information. So I don't know. It's just a whole mess of government overreach. And, you know, that might be an entire show that we do as well. Uh, but the series is amazing. And it was really the first... It's the first series, like multiple books I've read on in a series in a decade, but it's it's a series that I really lost myself in the story in a long time. And this was because like, it's, you know, it's fiction. So I'm really, you know, in my imagination reading this book, which is the whole point of reading, you know, it, it's your interpretation of the book and how you imagine the things that are happening are happening. And you're just so involved in what's going on in the story. And the first one, the terminal list, uh, it's essentially a revenge story and it's rad. I, I'm not going to do like a spoiler thing here. I'm just going to like say what it was and why you should read it. Uh, it's if you're a gearhead by in any stretch of the imagination, you're going to love Jack Carr's writing because he's a total d- gearhead and he writes, you know, very detailed things like what kind of gun he's carrying, what holster he's carrying in, in his character's novel, like what character, excuse me. What is characters carrying? Like what holster, what gun, what kind of coffee is he drinking? He's drinking black rifle coffee. What blend of it? You know what I mean? He's like, he's that detailed. So like as a gearhead myself, I love that stuff. And so uh, all three of those books are just amazing thriller works. And it's actually been, uh, it's going to be adapted. They're they're currently in the process of doing it right now, but Amazon is going to turn it into a series, which is awesome. Chris Pratt is going to play the lead character from the novels, James Reese, which is awesome. Uh, and it's like the, it's going to be such a, you know, and Jack is actually still really involved in the making of the show, which I've heard him say is not very common when uh, television or movies want to adapt an author's work. They kind of boot them out because they don't want them, you know, hanging around and trying to change everything or getting mad that they're changing too much. And, uh, it's just like, I th- I'm super pumped for it. So I don't want to like overhype myself. And then hopefully I'm hoping I'm not going to be disappointed by it. I doubt I will, but I don't want to like set the bar way too high. But the books on the other hand are amazing. So if you're looking for like the thrillery suspense, it's kind of like in the, the Jason Bourne, the Tom Clancy, uh, like all of that kind of world, the, the Terminalist series, which the first one is called The Terminalist. The second one is called True Believer. The third one is called Savage Sun. And then the fourth one is going to come out, I think, in April. Uh, so which is about six weeks or, you know, a month or so away from when I'm recording this. But uh, that one is called... What's that one called? The Devil's Hand, I think, is what that one's called. So that one's coming out soon as well. So he's cranking them out on like a once a year thing. So I'm I'm totally hooked, and this is my uh, my fiction reference for, or my my fiction pick for this list is technically number one is technically three books. So uh, that's going to be number one. Number two is I'm going to tie it back into a little bit of strength and conditioning stuff, and this is actually one of the ones that I've read the most. Over the course of the last handful of years since it came out, I've read this book probably four or five times all the way through just because I get something out of it as a coach and from an education standpoint. I get something different from it every time I read it. And the book is called What Doesn't Kill Us, and it's written by Scott Carney. And it's really Scott's story of going to meet Wim Hof. And if you don't know who Wim Hof is, he's this, you know, crazy old Dutch dude who breaks all these world records for cold exposure and, you know, climbing Mount Everest in his shorts and like all these crazy things. But he's adapt, he's created a, you know, and 
created is kind of a loose word because breathing is something that's been around as long as humans have, obviously. Uh, but he has utilized a specific breathing protocol that he's sort of developed to teach our bodies to adapt and overcome extreme stress and extreme temperatures in the case of what he does uh, with the cold and the ice. And he was really, in terms of mainstream, kind of the first one in the last, you know, seven or eight years to bring the breathing thing kind of into the mainstream. He was definitely one of the first people to do that, to make it cool again. You know, yogis and stuff have been doing breath work for thousands of years, but uh, just in the last decade, he was really the one that kind of made it a, a mainstream fitness thing. And I have been on the breathwork protocol train really ever since. I think the first time I ever heard Wim Hof was when he was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. And that was like in 2014 was when he was on Tim Ferriss's show. And from that moment, I was like, okay, this is something I need to be into. And so I did a lot of research on him and uh, practiced his protocol and did it. And, you know, I still do it probably three or four times a week, even to this day, just because it's such a beneficial practice there. And then, you know, there's all these rabbit holes that go from the traditional Wim Hof style breathing method. Uh, and I got really into that. Uh, there's a, a coaching certification called Art of Breath that was developed by a coach that I've followed for a long time, Brian McKenzie. And I became Art of Breath certified. So this has really become like a big part of my coaching practice as well as the breath work thing. And if you're a uh, one of the guys that's in my coaching group or have worked with me in any capacity in the past, uh, I do a lot of breathwork stuff in our programming because I know how powerful it is for performance, but also for just handling stress and becoming calm and mentally strong as well. So this book really dives into Scott's journey of being a complete skeptic that this, you know, almost 60-year-old Dutch guy has the the key to unlock, you know, getting rid of inflammation, you know, never being sick, being peak physical health. Like he starts it going to Wim in Poland, I believe is where they, they met the first time on one of Wim, Wim's retreats. Uh, he, he flew out there for the sole purpose of being cynical and trying to disprove everything that Wim was doing and he couldn't do it. He became completely involved in the process and it was like a life changing experience for him. And so after that, he, talked about how he went down that rabbit hole and he met all these people. Brian McKenzie is actually someone he talks to in this book, uh, Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese for XPT Life, the big wave surfer Laird Hamilton. Um, it's just a really cool, uh, it's, it's, kind of, it's not necessarily like a biography, but it's kind of his journey with this whole thing. And then he, he lays out a lot of the science that actually shows you how beneficial this stuff can be. And it's a really cool book. And like I said, because there's so much, uh, there's a lot of research in there, but there's a lot of great stories and anecdotes and stuff as well. And so I've, like I said, I've read it cover to cover probably four or five times in the last few years, just because I love the stories. But there's a lot of really good info if you're one of those people that started out like Scott and it's just like, okay, whatever, breath work and cold, like how can this be helpful at all? That's the person I would recommend this book to the most. So it's a great read. It's called What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney. And Wim Hof actually wrote the uh, the foreword for it. So and I would encourage you to, if you haven't ever listened to Wim or watched any of his videos or whatever, go to YouTube. There's hundreds and hundreds of videos of Wim guiding people through and listening to his voice. There's actually some guided uh 
there's some guided Wim Hof method videos where it's him, like his just voice guiding you through. And he's got this really deep Dutch accent and it's awesome. So go listen to that first and then read the book so you can read the foreword in Wim's voice because it's awesome. And that's what I did. So uh, number two on the list is what doesn't kill us. Uh, Scott Carney. Number three on the list is we're going to get into the more so, how should I say this? Because some people might get mad at me because I like this guy. Uh, A lot of you might not even know who he is, but I loved his books. And uh, his name is Steve Dace. And he wrote a book called Nefarious Plot. And Steve Dace is a conservative commentator. He works for The Blaze. He has a radio show. Um, and he's a Christian, and he has uh, a really great way of writing. He's like a, he's a brilliant writer, um, and his show's really good, uh, but his writing is fantastic. And he wrote a book f- almost five years ago now called A Nefarious Plot. And the reason that I like this book, I read it uh, a few months back because he was actually coming out with a sequel to it in December, so I wanted to read the first one before I got the sequel in December. And it, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek writing, like us poking fun at American culture and sort of what it's become in the last, you know, 50 plus years. And the, the story of a nefarious plot is there is a essentially demon general who is like the top demon for Satan, whose name is Lord Nefarious. And Lord Nefarious is tasked with bringing down the United States of America. And so this whole book is written from the point of view of Lord Nefarious, of him outlining his plan on how he would go about destroying the United States over the course of, you know, he, he was tasked with this the minute the United States was born. And so it's like he's been building this, this plan and, all these, and doing all of these things behind the scenes uh, leading up to the moment that he can finally bring down the United States. So it's written really from kind of a... It's, it's akin to like the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. If you've ever read the, uh, the screw tape letters, which is written from the point of the devil. Um, but it's kind of crazy to read this book. I read it in November and it's actually kind of like reading the newspaper. <laughs> it's, there's, it's crazy because the things that he was saying... He, and he wrote it in, like I said, kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of, you know, it's poking fun at Americans and Christians and like you're letting us do all this stuff to you in your culture and in your churches and in your schools and all this stuff and this is where it's going to go. And, you know, he wrote it in 2016 and none of these things were that big of a deal at the time, but in 2020, you're reading this and you're like, all of these things have happened. So it's almost kind of like you're reading some sort of prophetic book, which is kind of crazy, but the storytelling of it is uh, really well done. And there's some parts that will make you super uncomfortable in the book, uh, especially if you're a Christian or, you know, maybe even a little right-leaning in general. But I think anybody could read this book and not be either of those things and still see like this is kind of creepy in the way that it was, it played out almost exactly how he wrote this book almost five years ago. So it's a really great read. It's pretty short. Um, I literally got it done in like a day, day and a half, maybe it was over Christmas. You know, we were down at my parents and I just kind of cranked the whole thing out. But uh, Nefarious Plot by Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E, Great book. That's number three on the list of my favorites from 2020. Uh, And then 
yeah, I guess that was my top three. So I did have a, technically a bonus because I'm going to say I'm going to do top threes and, and number one is going to actually be three books and then I'm going to have a bonus. So it's actually going to be like a six book list. Uh, but this one isn't like what a, you know, what you consider a novel or even a, uh, it's nonfiction technically, I guess, but it's not, uh, educational. Well, I guess it is educational based. I'm just going to stop talking around the bush, but it is the Meat Eater Fish and Game Cookbook. Uh, it's kind of my bonus number for this list. And uh, because it's not like story driven, it's just all educational driven. And it's a, a, a freaking Bible of, I mean, literally in the size of it, it's huge, uh, of recipes and techniques for every hunter and angler is what the subtitle is. But it's just chocked with so much information. If you're getting into wild game cooking at all, uh, this is a absolute must. It goes over, or if you're a hunter at all and you want to uh, butcher and, and process your own game, uh, there's different detailed diagrams and all this stuff for every different type of game, fish, uh, everything that you can hunt. And I mean, it's mostly North American. I don't believe there's anything outside of North America, but big game, small game, waterfowl, upland birds, fresh and saltwater fish. And then there's a whole chapter that's like kind of the random things like uh, turtles, bullfrogs, cr like crabs, clams, all that kind of stuff. So no matter where you are, there's something wild gameish around where you live in, in North America. That book covers how you can uh, prepare it, clean it, and then gives you recipes to, to cook it. So it's been one of the things that I've been really into the last year or so. And it's been a really fun, it was, it was the perfect book I got. Uh, I actually got it for Christmas last year, but I, you know, I read it over the course of the year with hunting season and everything. It's just got so much great information in it. So that is going to wrap it up for this solo episode, the top three books of 2020, which was actually six books. Um, we're going to do more of these top five lists, things like that uh, in the future, but these solo shows are fun for me. So have a good rest of your day, rest of your week, whenever you're listening to it, and we'll check you in the next episode. Have a good day. Mm -hmm.